the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover3, Facebook all across the landscape, and thanks to you who are tuning in. So why don't you just go ahead and while you're here, hang out and uh, smash that like button on the video. If you subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast on YouTube, then you're going to be able to get a notification anytime that we go live. It's a great way to keep up with us, and if if you want to compete with us, if you want to compete against us, we've got our own cover three bracket challenge. That's right. Tom Fernelli's going to be in there. Danny Cannell's going to be in there. Bud Elliott will be in there, and I will as well. So if you can go ahead and join us, you can see all across our social channels, we are promoting our cover three bracket contest, and the winner gets a $100 gift card to Paramount+. Plus. You'll be able to watch the NCAA tournament games on Paramount+. Plus. You can also watch tons of soccer from the Champions League, CONCACAF, golf majors, and NFL football in the fall. We're also excited about the debut of Halo, which is streaming March 24th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head over to ParamountPlus.com slash Halo to try it for free. But back to the brackets. Who wants to enter? Who wants to enter just one pool? You can also create a group and compete against friends and fill out your bracket for a chance to win a trip to the 2023 Final Four. You can play on the CBS Sports app or come and join us in the Cover Three Bracket Challenge. Our task for today we are stacking the best teams to never win a college football national championship up against each other. All of us have put together a list. Top 10. I got a couple others that uh, that I think would be good for debate. But uh, before we get started, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what were some of the, the guiding principles or sort of overarching takeaways that might have come out from trying to go through this exercise? Well, we decided we were doing post-segregation because that would make it a lot simpler and easier because it's hard to you know, for us, especially to know what football was really like before that, because we didn't get to see the teams. And I kind of took that same approach with my own teams where I have some teams on my list from the eighties, the early eighties. But if I wasn't, most of my list focuses on the nineties and afterward, because that's when I was actually paying attention and feel like I can speak to something. I think it, it illustrates uh, just how often the best team did not win the national title, especially in you know, the pre-BCS era, uh, and obviously like I think the playoff does a better job of selecting the national uh, champ. I mean, there are some years in the 80s in which multiple teams mm-hmm. were, I think, pretty clearly better than the team that actually won the national title. 
and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that. But it man, it really does hammer home just how bad we were at selecting national champions for, for a while. Um, the other thing I, I really try to focus on was I don't want you on my list if you got crushed by a team that was not the national champion in that year, right? Like I, I'll excuse a loss if you were really dominant in a bunch of other really good games, but like. You know, I was talking to Oklahoma fans earlier, and they're, of course they love me. And I was like, "Look, I think you guys have like six teams on this on this list." And you're like, "Oh, what about 03? And I was like, "Not, not really uh, for 03 for me." I mean, that Kansas State team was not like that level to get whipped like that. So, you I see? thought it was interesting how many like doing research for this. Other people have compiled similar lists, and it's like football didn't exist before the BCS. Like, really, most of the lists only go back to 98, 99, 2000. Like, there aren't wow. many that there's a deeper list run. So I'll be curious to see if you guys went off there. And looking back, there were only a couple that I would make a strong case for. Um, and then I also think it's interesting when you do these lists, too. Like, if we think of Miami's dynasty with the five national championships and Alabama's dynasty of the past 15 years, like how much more it could have been a dynasty. Even USC, there have been some programs like when you're in those dynastic years, like you can capitalize them and man, how close they were to just having runs of way more than even the already impressive number of championships they already had. The programs that were independent consistently got screwed. That was something that came up for me a lot, where Pitt, Florida State, Penn State, Notre Dame, and Miami, all independents during the time, at some point during the time when we were looking at this, where you got drawn to a different game, and the team that you played might have had three losses, while the program that was eventually named national champion had a better opponent, and if those programs had a better opportunity into a bowl game and had a more quality opponent, then they might have won. And as those same programs, particularly Florida State, Penn State, and Miami, as they continue to pop up again and again and again, I would go ahead and say to those fan bases listening or watching live, I, I it got boring. <laughs> I just started picking. Like, all right, listen, we we can't have that much Miami. We can't have that much uh, Florida State. We, we got to start uh, singling out who we want to have on the list. So that, that might be a place where uh, I will admit there's a little bit of bias here. And then in terms, like Tom said, I – I, I did find myself trying to uh, not overreach what my own knowledge was. And so it, it doesn't, it's not BCS only, Danny. You know, I've, I've, I've got, I get, get a little bit into the 80s, but um, I, I think that our cutoff, I used 1970 as the hard line, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think every team post 70 to win a, to like on this list um, was post integration. So we've got uh, the chat is already filling up with all your own suggestions. And so that's very exciting. I'm glad there's a lot of interest in this. So one way that I thought uh, would be uh, basically to go from the top down and and sort of allow us to, to pass around and identify the highest uh, rated not discussed. Bud, I'm going to start with you. This was your idea. So I want to hear Bud Elliott's number one team not to win a national championship and then we'll uh, we'll work. Let's say counterclockwise. Danny, then Tom, and and basically you'll follow with your highest rated, not discussed. We can break it down, see where that team falls on everyone's list. All right. So like to me, I think I thought there were three that really were just stood out among the rest here, uh, and two are from the '80s. One is from the '90s. Um, 
I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 1994 Penn State. Uh, that team was unbelievably good. They were loaded on both sides of the ball. Obviously, they're they're in our cover photo for this thing. They smoked a bunch of ranked teams uh, like that. That one to me, Danny, you 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 would have you know obviously you didn't play those guys, but you played alongside a lot of those guys in the league. That that was one of the ones that stands out to me is like, oh my god, th- this is just. Now, granted, you had a really good national title team that year in Nebraska, and I, that, that's another commonality, by the way, is that, that a lot of times these teams that didn't win, uh, when they actually did get the national champion right in that year, a lot of times that was like one of the all-time teams. That '94 Nebraska team was was no joke, uh, but they didn't get to play each other, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they they played uh, they played in the Rose Bowl. They beat Oregon by Oregon. three scores. That wasn't even yeah. a top ten team going into the game. Like I, right. they were in the Big Ten. That's that conference affiliation. Rose Bowl, like, but it, it was still like the conference affiliation sending you off where you might have to play an opponent that's not going to be good enough for the voters to elevate you. Again, Penn State was not independent, so it doesn't perfectly fit what I was talking about earlier. They've been independent for a while though. But you know, like before that, I, they joined in ninety one. To your point, I've got that it's their team. second season, I think, in the Big Ten. Okay, so I've, I've got that team number 92. two. Yeah, I've got mm-hmm. number two on my list, and it was the same thing. Where I was like, this team was uh, un- unbelievable, and then you look at it, and it was really only the fact that you know they they didn't have a quality enough opponent to be able to uh, to get the nod, finish number two, at twelve and zero overall, eight and zero in the Big Ten. So yeah, I've I've got them as number two on my list. It was the yeah. year that Penn State really like put the offense like they always played really good defense un- under Joe Pa and then that that you're like hey here's 48 points a game for that ass okay <laughs> you know, and it was it, it was it was something else yeah we won't mention who the defensive coordinator on that team was yeah. but I will say like you mentioned the offense just now this team was also number two on my list because Kerry Collins was the quarterback but what's really stands out like Kajana Carter was the running back I think he went number one in the draft right top three at least but like think of the era in the early nineties, they had Bobby Ingram who finished with over a thousand yards receiving. And then Freddie Scott was 27 yards short. He finished with 973 yards receiving. That was a team that in 1994 nearly had 2000 yard receivers, which is not something you saw a whole lot of in college at that time. But wait, there's more Danny. You'll know this name. You know, the tight end was on that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, Texas name. Who is it? White dude. Kyle Brady. Kyle Brady. Yeah. That, that was a loaded squad. <laughs> yep. Phil I mean, Collins. How many other years in the 90s? Phil Collins. Like, if you put them in, in a lot of other years, I think they probably win it. You know, they yeah. just happened to be in a year where they didn't get matched up, and, and Nebraska was also really good. Mm-hmm. All right, Danny, who's your number one? Or it, it was Penn State number. Where was Penn State on your list? No, I had him in the top three. I didn't have him number one. I went. So the criteria that Bud was kind of talking about being oh so close um, in a couple different games. So I had the 2005 USC team with Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart. The Vince Young Rose Bowl. Like if Vince Young doesn't happen. Like they're right there, and it's. Oh, so close. The talent was littered all over the team. They came in as the number one ranked team. They were actually a touchdown favorite in that game. Came up just short, but NFL talent littered all over the field. I think that for me was one of those ones that defending national champ could have come in back to back. Like a lot of those players were returning. I just thought that team was one of the best to come up just short and almost, you know, coming up oh so close. Uh, They for me were one of the top for sure. I had them at number six. 
I, I, yeah, I, I had him top 10 as well. Yeah, I had, because, I mean, like you said, Matt Leinert had a great season that year. They had both Reggie Bush and Lindell White. We just talked about how Penn State nearly had 2,000-yard receivers. Well, that year, USC had 2,000-yard rushers. Reggie Bush had 1,740 yards rushing. Lindale White was right behind him with 1,302. They were both awesome out of the backfield as well in the receiving core. They had Dwayne Jarrett going for over 1,000 yards. Steve Smith nearly had 1,000 yards. That was just, that was a team full of stars. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it was just, NFL players everywhere you looked. So I had them number one, like Danny. And my other note here, they ripped through their regular season schedule. Mm -hmm. Nine of the 12 regular season wins were by 17 points or more. It was not even close. It was offense. It was defense. It was just uh, a total domination all through that team. And Danny, like you mentioned, it, like except for a mistake, like, hey, let's just let's just lateral this ball right now. And except for a tremendous final historic drive by Vince Young, then USC isn't even eligible for this discussion because of the national championship. So I'm I am uh, Danny. I'm right there with you. I had USC as my number one. Penn State as my number two. Uh, I, I like USC as, as one of the best teams. That one, it was filling up the chat already. I feel like that's a that's a popular one because of how close and competitive that BCS national championship game was. Not to mention the NFL talent and uh, the way they dominated throughout the regular season. Yeah, and another little factoid about that team: they played 13 games. They scored at least 50 points in seven of them. They never <laughs> scored fewer than 34 points in a single game. Mm. And there were some like the blips for some of these teams was a way off the I don't, like I don't want to spoil this, but I'll just go ahead and offhandedly like the the 2012 Oregon team was phenomenal, but its one loss was to Stanford, and that game was way off the radar from the way that everything else had gone. 13 to three Stanford win, and it was like what happened to this you know Chip Kelly year four, Marcus Mariota year one? What happened to this high flying offense? It got contained. There was no containing this USC team, uh, they could only be outscored. All right, Tom, who's your highest ranked? Not mentioned. All right, my number one, still on the board, the greatest team of all time to never win a national title, and it happened a couple of years ago because the greatest team of all time did win the national title. 2019 Ohio State. Yeah, I've got them this, on my list. This was a team that finished the regular season undefeated absolutely dominated teams. I mean, they were winning, like they had 42 nothing win over Cincinnati. They beat Indiana by 41. They beat Miami of Ohio by 71. This was a team that was just blowing every single team out of the water every week, gets to the Big Ten championship game, takes down a very good Wisconsin team, and then gets to the playoff and is in that classic semifinal against Clemson in which Clemson pulls out the 29-23 win in, in, you know, in the closing seconds. There's uh, Ohio State fans still a little bitter about That's some of the calls call. <laughs> that happened in that game. And then, obviously, LSU beat Clemson in the national title. And I think LSU probably would have beat Ohio State in the national title game too, but I think it probably it would have been a really good game. But I think that that Ohio State team just, I mean, a lot of really good players on that team. Obviously, Justin Fields was at quarterback. J.K. Dobbins rushed for over 2,000 yards that season. They had a young Chris Olave, a young Garrett Wilson. They had K.J. Hill, Benjamin Victor. They also had this freshman receiver who only caught six passes that year, but it was for 112 yards and a, and a touchdown. His name was Jamison Williams. That was a loaded freaking Ohio State team, and I think in any other year, if that LSU team didn't exist, we would have thought, we, we would remember that team a lot differently. I thought I was sure. going to be all like, 
uh, hated out of this room by the, all the historical all, all the historical edges by having the Buckeyes at nine. Tom doing me a big favor and throwing them right at the top of the list. I I love it. I a hundred percent agree that that's one of the best teams to never win. And uh, and I don't know. Full support here. It's a little lofty, I think. Yes. You make the case for it. I can I can understand the case for it. I will, there might be a little recency bias in there, but I no, get it. No, it's not. You know, College Football Reference has their SRS rating, which is a simple rating system, which is what it stands for, which they use to rate teams over time. I went through it. I used it kind of as a guideline. That's the no, the highest rated SRS team of all time to never win a national title. It was at, well, let me check it real quick. It 27 or something. 27.39. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> which is a lot higher than most of the teams that win national titles. Yeah, most national champs around 21, 22. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was the other thing. As you go through there, you're like, wow, no one was really good this year. No one was really <laughs> good this year. Ohio State was incredible. And LSU was right behind them. Yep. The, the best college football team, best college football season by quarterback of all time, yet didn't have a, a higher rating there than the than uh, the Buckeyes. I had them at nine. Bud, where'd you have them? Uh, that Buckeye team I had at six. Like, Danny I, says no go, not on the top ten. Wow. They might have said that. Would, they, would yeah. they be in the top 20? Big haters. <laughs> yes, they're in the top 20. Big 10 haters. That's what we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, am I up again? Um, I guess it. So then it's to me, right? Oh, to me, to Chip. That's, that's right. Tom, Tom yeah. and Ohio State. Apologies. Tom and Ohio State. So um, I, USC is my number one. That's off the board. Penn State, 1994, is number two. That's off the board, which brings me to um, a back judge and his decision to wait just a beat oh. before <laughs> throwing out that flag and, uh, and calling a pass interference that led to the Ohio State Buckeyes winning a national championship in double overtime. My number three best team not to win the national championship is the Miami Hurricanes of the 2002 season. They went a perfect 12-0 during the regular season. They were number one for the entire season, including at kickoff against Ohio State in the BCS National Championship game. That only defeat, of course, being by one score in double overtime. The entire roster is absolutely loaded, as you might expect, uh, given the way that they came in from that 2001 squad. But it was not just the um, the talent on the roster. But again, similar to the USC argument, I mean, there were just no close games. There was, they had one close game against Pitt. But for the most part, they just absolutely ran through the entire schedule. Uh, oh, Florida State, 28-27. So that was a one another one-score game. Hurricanes were fantastic. So I I knew that they were going to be top five. I was splitting hairs when we started to to figure out how this Hurricanes team was going to stack up against some of the others that I had up there in the like three, four, and five position. But uh, ultimately, I ended up moving them up to number three. So my number three is the 2002 Miami Hurricanes. It's a fair I'm going to be controversial. I didn't have them top 10. Neither did Whoa. I. Whoa. Yeah, I really don't think that the schedule they played, like I think it has a lot more name value than it did uh, like actual quality team value, you know? Um, and so they like had Florida a whole was, lot of talent, but they didn't dominate like I would have expected them to as much. So Florida right? was number six when they played them. Florida State was number nine when they played them. Uh, Pitt was number 17 when they played them. Virginia Tech was number 18 when they played them. So it's not loaded with those like 15, 8, 6, and 4 
but there was there were there were ranked opponents on there. No, there there were. I yeah, mean, and they also that number six Florida team finished eight and five. Right. Exactly. That 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 two thousand two Florida State team certainly had some. You know, that was issues. nine and five. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, that Virginia Tech team hung forty five on them. Mm-hmm. Fifty six, forty five. I talent wise, no doubt. Performance wise, like. To excuse a loss, and granted, it was a questionable call, and that's also the game that McGay he blew the knee. So if that doesn't happen. I'm not sure we ever get to that call, right? I mean, credit to Claret, obviously, for making all the plays. Uh, but like, I have another Miami team higher uh, than them, like the team that was just absolute, absolutely freaking dominant with you know Michael Irvin and Jerome Brown, and they beat the crap out of Oklahoma and Florida State and West Virginia. Those were all really good teams that year. Like, they were good at the end of the season. They had 86 team. Now, they lost to Penn State, embarrassingly so, in the Fiesta Bowl. But it was basically like the – if you want to, like, figure out the game that defined turnover luck, you know, <laughs> six picks in that game. They outgained Penn State 450 to 160 and lost the national title. If they get, like, neutral turnover luck there, that might go down as, like, the best team of all time or one of So, so- – that was the whole fatigues off the plane. Like not, not to go yeah, on the tangent yeah. about eighty six, but like I have eighty six Miami way over two thousand two Miami in terms. I've of like got dominance. another. I've got another Miami team. I've on got another Miami team. Not, it's, it's not yeah. either, either eighty six yep. or two thousand two. Is it two thousand? No, it's eighty eight. Oh, I've got yeah, two thousand eighty eight on there. Let's hear your argument for eighty eight. For eighty eight at number six. Yeah. What what's wrong about the resume? Your only loss was a one point loss to Notre Dame. Everything yeah. else was absolutely phenomenal. And I've got that eighty eight Miami team at number six. By the way, I have the two thousand Miami team at number. I, I went past ten. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I've got the two thousand Miami team at number twelve. All right, hi Bud, back to you. Highest highest not discussed, or we could just keep rolling off all the different Miami That's what teams. Saying, like, how many Miami teams do we have in our lists? Four. I think there's four or five. Yeah. 86, 80. 88, 2000, 2002. Any others that would make you can uh, kind of like, like you can kind of argue this is a little little tougher, but you can kind of argue 90, right? The, the the year the Colorado and Georgia Tech won it. Yeah. But they you know they had some they 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 had That's, some really really dominant games and they had a little bit of questionable stuff, but like from a power rating standpoint, I think they were really really good. And for the most part I felt like I was more when I was splitting hairs, I was more resume than predictive. And I know that's such a March Madness term right now, but like the resume metrics are when I'm going through and I'm looking at, it's like if you had two losses, even if your simple rating system was phenomenal, if one of those two losses was bad to a bad team, then when we're talking about this discussion, that was mm-hmm. one way that I ended up starting to pare things down. No teams from the 2020s or 2010s though, right? No teams from the 2020s? <laughs> no. <laughs> not not this time. Um, all right. So I've got like, I've only had one of my top three go. So these two are, are both from the eighties. I'm going to go 83 Nebraska. Yeah. Um, like that team was freaking loaded. Dave Remington, uh, Dean Stenkuler, Irving Fryer out at receiver. Mike Rozier won the Heisman with 29 rushing touchdowns and 2,400 yards. Uh, now here's is, oh and, and uh, Turner Gill by the way, pretty pretty good option quarterback back in the Decent. day. Uh, they beat Penn State 44 to six. That was a number six or number four Penn State team. They dropped 
84 on Minnesota. Uh, they didn't allow very many points hardly ever. Uh, they, they're in conference play. They won by an average of 29 points. Um, was pretty good. And they lost to Miami in the orange bowl, which again is kind of, yeah. And it's because Tom Osborne wanted to win it outright. This is the two point conversion team, right? He went for it because a tie, they could have won it with a tie. If I recall, right? Like the, the voting would have been interesting. Um, in fact, they were ranked number one all season. Like they, right. they were carrying that one. Like they had the belt, and if it was going to be a tie, then like yeah. you retain the belt type situation. Tying Miami on their home field, I think, uh, would which you know, basically the Orange Bowl was obviously. Yes. Uh, I think would have probably given it to him, but Osborne, to his credit, wanted to win it outright, and like this, this just checks all the boxes for me. Absolutely dominant. Like future, no doubt, professional talent. No real huge questions about the schedule, and they played another really, really good team and lost by lost on the final play. It's kind of like that 05 USC thing. Point of contention, though. What we got? They did play a really, really good team and almost won. That was the only good team they played that year. Like, you don't think they, the Penn State team was good? Yeah, that Penn State team finished the year eight and four. That's true. One so of those. That yeah. was the only ranked team they faced all season long until the game against Miami. I love and college football because fair. of this. Well, you know that loss derailed their season, Tom. You know, like if, if they had won that game, they were they were good enough. True. Right? Number four preseason ranking. You know, that's true. That's I mean, no, they were they were absolutely dominant, so they deserve a lot of credit for that. Because I mean, I I I'd rather look at how a team performs rather than just who it's playing. But my one bone of contention with that team is they really didn't play anybody in the regular season until they got to that game against Miami in the Orange Bowl and. That was a tough time. And also the week before their last game before the final regular season game against against Oklahoma, another yeah. close call. So when they got towards the upper echelon of their schedule, they were playing they weren't dominating teams nearly as much. It's a good point to bring up. Like, how much do you value absolutely smoking everybody? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, because like I think the the rating systems pick that up, but there's also the covariance issue. Like, how good are you against good? You know, like mm-hmm. there are some teams that their style. We talk about Tennessee's offense that they run. Sorry, sorry, producer Jordan, but like if Tennessee plays somebody with that Baylor offense that that we know the guys can't can't run with them, it's night night. But when they play some of the teams that can run with them, do they have answers? It's this is this team kind of fits that a little bit. Tom, do you have eighty three Nebraska on your top ten? Uh not in the top ten, but they were in the top fifteen. Yes, I had them number five, so I I agree with you, bud. I'm 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 in on that Cornhuskers team. Danny, did you have them? I did not. That was uh, one that was a little bit further back than I would have gone. I'm subbed, like, by the way, I ripped everybody that didn't go back that far. I'm like, I was one of them too. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, all right. So that, Dan, for me, that for me, like I said at the top of the show, that was kind of a tiebreaker for me, though. Like a 1983 team when I was two years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's hard I watch for me to really YouTube. judge it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just it's like, so I was kind of leaning more towards teams that I actually had more familiarity with other than just looking at the results and the stats. All right, so Danny, who's your highest-rated team that we have not discussed? So I have a team on there that never got a chance to prove they were worth it, but they never lost. I had the 2004 Auburn Tigers on there, and I was just looking back at their schedule to see if it fit the bill of some of the, the criteria that we've set forth. Um. 
They had some blowouts. They had some dominating performances. They beat Tennessee, who was a good team, top 25 team. They beat them twice, once on the road in Knoxville, 34 to 10. Then they beat them in the SEC championship game, uh, 38 to 28. They went on to beat a very good Virginia Tech team uh, in the Sugar Bowl. Did not have a blemish. Had, of course, the two running backs that were absolutely studs. Both sides of the ball were pretty strong. Defense was strong. I mean, how do you how do you get much better than not have the opportunity to play for it? Than going running the you know, running the season and not getting a chance. So I had the Auburn team in there. They deserve to be on the list. <laughs> Too high. They, they are not on my list. I had them as the third Auburn team. <laughs> nice. What? But uh, yeah. I think 83 and 93 were better. I I, I think Auburn would have got smoked by USC even more than Oklahoma did. Ooh, yeah. yeah, that's what I thought was interesting. Would they have been smoked, smoked as much? So that's the thing, because like if you look run the ball down their throats with those two. That that 2004 season with Auburn finishing 13 and 0 in the BCS was one of like the very first kind of like this is why we need four or this is why we need to have an actual playoff kind of things because it's like we're leaving out an undefeated team from the SEC. You know, it's a good, it's a major conference. But like again, going back to the SRS that I mentioned earlier, if you look back to that season, according to SRS, Auburn was the fifth rated team in the country using SRS. The top four were USC, Utah, Cal, and then Oklahoma was fourth. And also using football refs strength of schedule metric, that Auburn team played the 55th ranked schedule, which still you went undefeated. But I don't think that team, like it began the year ranked 17th and just kind of kept moving up, moving up because it wasn't losing, which is exactly what should happen. But I don't feel like that was a dominant team because I do remember watching that team thinking they're good, but I never felt like it was an amazing team. Well, it was like the BCS era SEC type. You know, the, you added awesome defense, and then you could run the ball and have a quarterback who could make enough plays at the right time. You certainly were not overwhelmed. You were trying to win at the line of scrimmage, like very, yeah, that, very classic SEC stuff. And that offense tended to disappear when it, the competition stepped up. Like they would score forty points against you know a bad team, and then you looked at against uh, Mississippi or LSU, LSU, they scored ten. <laughs> Tennessee, they put up thirty four, but like Alabama, they scored twenty one. Virginia Tech, they only scored sixteen in that bowl game. They did put up thirty eight on Tennessee in that SEC title game, though. So also, Tom, you mentioned that Auburn is number five in uh, SRS for that season. They are the only team in the top fifteen from the Southeastern Conference from that season. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uniquely down year in the SEC, but I do think like, I, I don't know. I, I think this is, I would have this team in my top 15, I think, but probably not my top 10. Um, the one thing I, I would notice when, when I look back at this, I remember thinking, you know, this was my, my sophomore year of college. The quarterbacks they played that year in the SEC, they sucked. <laughs> I mean, they, they were really like to, to steal Danny's line about this quarterback draft. So they didn't play Florida. Right, who had who had Chris Leak that year? He was the best quarterback in the SEC, I think, other than Jason Campbell. Who was Tennessee's quarterback? Uh, producer Co- or producer Jordan? Do you know? It was Eric Ainge. Eric Ainge, oh. who threw for you ready for this a <laughs> whopping fourteen hundred and fifty-two yards. Fourteen <laughs> hundred. LSU had Marcus Randall. So we take you I'm okay if you want to take it off the list. <laughs> no, it's on there forever. I'm I am prisoner of the results. Hey, undefeated, you're so close. I mean, I kind of had that mindset in USC. What about Shane Boyd for Kentucky. They they really <laughs> shut down Shane Boyd. I mm-hmm. this is kind of why I think USC would have smoked them because they really didn't face 
anybody who could play a quarterback These are uh, the- up until that point. Tennessee dropped 28 on them, and that was like the highest point total they allowed all year. I, I don't know. Like it, You can go through a year and be pretty dominant, but not face somebody who can really throw it. And I think they were uniquely like not facing anybody who could actually chuck it. I just want to read off some names looking at this passing yardage list. So bad. (laughs) This is a trip down memory lane. You got Chris Leak at Florida, Jason Campbell at Auburn, David Green at Georgia, Matt Jones at Arkansas, some guy named Jay Cutler at Vanderbilt. And they didn't play him in that year. (laughs) Ethan Flatt at Ole Miss. We talked about Aaron Ainge, Shane Boyd, Marcus Randall at LSU. Or Jamarcus? No, yeah, no, Marcus Randall. Yeah, Jamarcus is lower. Jamar, yeah. Oh, wow. That's they. I forgot they had Marcus and Jamarcus. It was a very confusing season for LSU that year. Uh, Rick Clawson at Tennessee, Brody Croyle at Alabama, DJ Shockley when he was a young buck. Oh, wow, that was a season in the SEC, my friends. <laughs> that was a year. Uh, all right, Tom. Actually, um, we, we Tom will. Grace us with the highest ranked team from his list that we have not discussed on the other side. Next. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This Saturday on CBS, men's college basketball conference tournaments are underway and so much will be on the line starting at 1 Eastern with the Big Ten semifinals. Then at 6 Eastern, another school gets to claim their automatic bid to the madness at the Mountain West Conference Championship. We'll get you set for tip-off at 12 Eastern with our crew at Inside College Basketball. It's a huge Saturday of men's college hoops this Saturday on CBS. All right, Tom, back to you. Highest ranked team that we have not discussed yet. Who is it and where do you have them? All right, so we are past the break in a show about the greatest college football teams of all time to not win a national title, and we have not mentioned a single Alabama team yet. Give me... I'm curious where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's very close between two teams, and it's pretty recent, obviously. I'm going to go just edging the other, the 2016 Alabama team that lost to Clemson in the college football playoff title game, 35 to 31. They had Jalen Hurts at QB that year, who was not, you know, he he wasn't the kind of, wasn't the great passer that we'd seen in previous seasons for them in the most recent year, but he was still a very good player that season. They had Damian Harris, Bo Scarborough, Josh Jacobs at running back. Uh, they had Calvin Ridley at receiver. Or Darius Stewart had a big year. They had O.J. Howard at tight end. On the defensive side of the ball, it's like everybody in the NFL right now was on that defense. It was just an incredible team who dominated for the most part during the regular season. And they played a tough schedule. That was the year they started against USC, I think in Arlington, 
just 52 to three, if I remember 52 to six. Okay. Then they had the close call against two freeze and Ole Miss win a 48 to 43, but they, they beat a ranked Arkansas team by 19. They beat a top 10 at the time, Tennessee team by 39. They beat Texas A&M, who was top six by 19. They shut out top 15 LSU 10 to nothing. They beat a t- number 16 Auburn by 18. They beat number 15 Florida by 38. They beat Washington by 17 in the semi. And then they lost to Deshaun Watson and Clemson by four in the title game. That was just an awesome team that came up four points short. So I... I agree with you that there's there's was the other one to the 2018. Is that kind yeah. of what the debate is? Because I, yeah. I had that same debate. Uh, I think that the thing that is the most fun about the 2016 team, if you remember, that defense was scoring so many touchdowns. Yes. The defense and special teams for that 2016 Alabama team was scoring more touchdowns than some offenses were. And the way that like Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, they come like strip sack, linebacker picks it up, takes it to the house. Um, what was it? Uh, who was our safety? Played for the Bears. Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson. Feel like he had like six or seven touchdowns on that season as well. Either like pick sixes or, or fumble return touchdowns. Jonathan Allen on that team? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Darren Payne. Uh, it, it was unbelievable, but more defensive forward for me. Um, I I have them in that group. I didn't sort my like eleven through eighteen, but I, I figured they were all worth mentioning. I, I I ended up leaning towards eighteen Alabama just because of the offense, but I've I've got no argument with sixteen uh, Alabama on your list. Well, you know I'm going to go defense. So yeah. you, well, I was just going to say you guys ripped apart my 2004 Auburn for the lack of quarterbacks they were playing, and this this was right in my heyday of SEC trolling <laughs> that took place because of exactly that argument. 2004, I was just trying to make a roster with the Denver Broncos, so I wasn't watching a lot. This point, I was in the business. One Swag Kelly was leading the SEC in passing with 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Drew Locke was at Missouri, so that was Austin Allen at Arkansas. Josh Dobbs at Tennessee, Danny Etling at LSU, mm-hmm. Nick Fitzgerald, remember him, uh, you know, running all over the place for uh, Mississippi State. Not exactly a gauntlet of quarterbacks he had to go through. That's fair too. That like, I, I think that keeps him from being, you know, top five. But Tom, do you have him top five? Uh, yeah, got him at number five. How dare I just, you? I don't how know, dare man. you insult Swag Kelly? Like I know I'm the metrics guy. I just I test wise, I'm like they. Throwing the ball makes me a little scared, like when they absolutely had to throw it. But how I often did they have to throw it, though? That was not often. <laughs> not often. I, I had 2018 Bama over them, but it's a weird debate. And I think, Chip, you, you're, you nodded your head. Like that, I think that 2018 Bama team, its best was better than 2016 Bama's best. But there was obviously a lot of stuff going on with the coaching staff there with that 2018 Bama team. That That's the whole, uh, Who's the OC who left for Miami? Uh, where's uh, Lane Kiffin? Uh, where, where, no, or where's Dan? Right, yeah, like where, yeah. where, where, where's Dan? And like that, that coaching staff just had so much behind the scenes turmoil. Like that's one of Saban had a, a bit of a reset there after that on, on that side of the ball. Um, like that was really the only game, if I recall, that 2018. That obviously, they got smoked by Clemson. They had some, they had some really bad like turnover and red zone luck. They tried a ridiculously silly uh, fake field goal. Um, which maybe we don't call it silly if it works, but yeah, those are the two the two Bama teams that stand out to me. See that that's part of it too. Like the the loss to Clemson in 2016 was much closer than the one in 2018, right. and also just overall strength of schedule. I felt like the 2016 was a little tougher. There Although, was 
Oh, the go quarterbacks ahead. weren't quite the same. Although the quarterbacks in 2018 were exactly a who's who of <laughs> quarterbacking. Um, so the the 2018 offense, Tua Tagovailoa, your uh, top receivers are Jerry Judy as a thousand yard receiver, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs, uh, Devonta Smith actually fifth on the team in receiving that year with 42 catches and 693 yards. And but to your point, they sputtered offensively a little bit coming down the stretch. Kind of felt like they were dragging sure. that season uh, all the way down. And I say that as somebody who like looking at my rankings, uh, I Mississippi did State them, defense uh, gave them some trouble, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Field. Right, but they didn't score. It was 29 or 24 right. to nothing. Because Mullen did multiple punts from the opponent's territory. I remember thinking, like, yeah, you're Mississippi State. Extending the game, really, like, eventually, I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll beat the IRS, right? Like, that. that's... So, as we've gotten into this and, and really uh, dug into the discussion, I, I feel um, not sheepish, but I, I feel prepared for some blowback because we want well-rounded teams. You know, we're splitting hairs and... And when you can't get past the 50-yard line in the national championship game, this is an obvious red flag. However, the way that I put this list together, um, I, I had the 2000 LSU team at number four. I mean, when they went through, they, they throttled Georgia in the SEC championship game. Like when they, obviously there was the nine to six game uh, during the, against Alabama during the regular season that, you know, you're not going to inspire a ton of offensive uh, confidence. The talent that is on the defensive side of the ball has already been discussed. And maybe the the fact that you've got names like Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the offense should bring up some, some negatives on their final scorecard. But when I went through their season and I saw that particularly the way that they finished, they were 41 to 17 against then number three in the country, Arkansas, 42 to 10 against Georgia. But then of course they, uh, they lose in the national championship game. They started with a win against uh, 40 to 27 win against Oregon. They beat a ranked Florida team, 41 to 11 they were the best team in the country for much of the season from October on until a 21 to zero loss to Alabama in the national championship game Four feels high now that we're deep into the discussion, but I, I 2011 LSU still would make my top 10, even if I was to, uh, to resort it. That's fine. You know who I ha I have 2011 at LSU at number eight on my list. You know who I have right behind them at number nine, 2011 Oklahoma state. Yes, thank you. Let's go without any wow. team with uh, Justin Jefferson at quarterback. I can't justify as yeah. I didn't. I, I, I didn't like have that, top that one. Prohibits you from being the best all time not to win it. Like that was pretty easy to see coming. Do you, but do you remember though? To be fair, I remember going into that rematch. This could be the greatest team of all time, and that was my line then. Like you can't call yourself the greatest team of all time with Justin Jefferson at quarterback. Like it just was that. Is that why Les Miles started Jarrett Lee? <laughs> yeah, there was. A, I think it was. There was a back and forth between those yeah. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. See, yeah. The thing that stands out to me about that team, and obviously, you know, you guys hate defense. Like that was a team who allowed fewer than ten points in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of their games. They never allowed more than twenty-seven in a game. And in that game that they allowed twenty-seven, they scored forty. And in the game they allowed twenty-one, they scored forty-seven. The only time that offense didn't show up was in its two games against Alabama. And Alabama had another was it the other elite defense in the country that year. I feel like if you take that Alabama team away, LSU cruises to a national title that year and without a great offense. Jarrett Lee was academically ineligible, low key from Casey in the chat. Oh, okay. My apologies Keep it low to the key. good. 
Jefferson, by the, the way. Jordan Jefferson. Yeah, my apologies to his brother as a stud. Um, yeah, and to your point, the uh, the 27 was to peak Chip Kelly, Oregon in a season opener. So it's uh, it, it definitely defense forward on that. So that's why that's why I had LSU up there. Four might be a little high, but that's where I ranked him. So, yeah, I don't have him at four, but Bud, highest ranked, not mentioned. Let's 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 go Boomer Center here. Yeah, which year? Which one? There's a lot. <laughs> I mean, there there. I had one. Let's see what you go. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go 1986, but you could also go 87. I think, and you could go several teams from the 70s as well. So 86, I think, is pretty interesting, right? They go 11 and one. They finished third in, in, in the final. Dude, this team was freaking loaded. They lost to Miami on the road, which I don't think there's really any shame in that. Miami was really, really good in 86. They beat number four, five, and nine, 110 to 28. Like that to me, if you beat three other top 10 teams, including two other top five teams, you know, by what, 82 points? And you lose a respectable game at Miami. You you put eighty six Oklahoma in a lot of other years, uh, and they're they're your national champion. Like in a playoff, if they got to rematch Miami on a neutral site, I think they could beat Miami. Spencer Tillman, Brian Bosworth, Charles Thompson as a freshman as your quarterback, um, Jamel Holloway as a sophomore. Ah, yeah. uh, good team. I I might have messed up with this one. Didn't have it on my list. <laughs> this, yeah, I, I had this team number two. Okay. Oh, they they were an amazing team, but they were not. I wanted to spice things team. up a little bit. I was going to put the 2017 team that lost to Georgia, Ooh. and then there, you know, there's Georgia fans in our chat saying, "What about the 2017 team? You had Baker Mayfield. One of the he, he really was, and maybe it will go down as one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. That offense." was unbelievable. Remember how they started off the game, too? It was like, oh, they're going to run away with this thing. And they Georgia comes back. And the overtime, I was there. Um, and for the Georgia fans that are saying, what about us? Georgia got boat raced by Auburn that year. I believe, was that a game at home or was that away? So that one kind of takes that one off. Um, and 2017 would have been away because that is the year that Gus saved his job and yeah. got the huge contract extension. And then they beat Auburn in the rematch. Uh, two weeks later in the dome, and, and the rematch is is the class. The one of the first times we've got the college football playoff is like they've got one loss, but the loss doesn't count because right. they were able to <laughs> scrub it with an SEC title game win. So you twenty seventeen Oklahoma's on the list. I did not. No, I would not. I would not pound the table for him. But I was gonna if it was if I had the tenth selection and there was no uh, Boomer sooner on there, I would have gone with that one. I'll what tell you, you. Oh, go ahead. I'll tell you which Oklahoma teams on my list. 08? 79? 08. Okay. Bob Stoops' best yes. team at Oklahoma ever had two losses. Yes, 100% agree. <laughs> 08, was, 08 was Bob Stoops' best team. <laughs> yeah. And like Florida played, what's his name, in the title game, the defensive tackle who should have been ineligible. That Oklahoma had terrible turnover luck in that game. I still think Oklahoma at 08 was a better team than, than 2008 Florida. Yep. No, it was just I know they the, lost close, but... And they played a hellacious schedule that year because yeah. that was the year, the Big 12. All right, Oklahoma State went 9-4 and four and finished fourth in the Big 12 South. 
because Oklahoma went 12 and 2, Texas was 12 and 1, Texas Tech that year was 11 and 2. You had Missouri winning 10 games in the north. Nebraska was 9 and 4. Kansas was good at the time. Like that was a gauntlet of a Big 12 that they went through. Their only loss was in the regular season to Texas. They lost 45 to 35, and then they lost to Florida in the title game. But I mean, they they beat a ranked TCU team. They beat a ranked Kansas team. They beat the number two Texas Tech team at the time by 44 points. They beat Oklahoma State, which was in the top 10 at the time, by 20. They beat Missouri, which is number 19 at the time, in the Big 12 championship game by 41. That was a dominant team that just lost a game at the end. 50 touchdowns for Sam Bradford that year, an NCAA scoring record, later broken by Florida State. Um, but the the accolades are full for that. I've got that on my... Like I've got them at basically 11 and absolutely worthy of consideration. I like 17. I hadn't, I hadn't really considered it, but that was a, that was a phenomenal team for sure. 79 uh, as well. For, like while, while we're on the Oklahoma, oh, there's uh, just so many. Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Like I had to cut several off as, as well, but 79, you have Billy Sims who wins the Heisman. Your only loss is early, you know, close to, to a top four Texas team. Then you smoke everybody else. You play a pretty respectable schedule. You finish 10-0. You know, I mean, like that's that's a really really good team that like the metrics love. And you look back, like they had NFL guys on on, on those teams. They played a really tough schedule. They beat the hell out of Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Um, you know that was that was a really good team as well. Like they're Oklahoma had my most teams on like that could have made the list. There's like six of them. And I don't include 03, by the way. Like I, I don't. They're not real high on my list, even though I, it's more recent. Yeah, I, I did not have 03 either. Can I? Can I just sort of roll roll one out there? I cheated just a little bit, but I, I think the sentiment. Maybe y'all can help me break this tie. I grouped 08 and 09 Texas together. It, they both had Will Muschamp. They both had Colt McCoy. In 2008, the only loss was to Texas Tech. And then in 2009, the only loss was to Alabama in the title game, of course, when Colt McCoy goes out and gets replaced by Garrett Gilbert. I had no idea which one to put ahead of the other, but I felt like we had so much of the same coaching staff, so much of the same personnel. It was all the same run. It all deserved a spot somewhere. I had them number seven. But uh, which which of those teams, or, or how did y'all rate that that two-season run for, uh, for Mac Brown and the Longhorns? Really the end of peak Mac Brown, because uh, we really saw things unravel after that. I gave oh this it's I gave away a slight edge. Yeah. Like I've got the two oh eight Texas team at number nine on my list overall. Do you want to really piss off some Florida fans right now? Always. The, the best two team the best two teams in the country in two thousand eight were in the Big Twelve. Yeah. Oklahoma and Texas. Uh-huh. And that debate was like BCS fuel. Like yeah. Sagarin's formula says this, and this computer says this, and the percentage points were so minor. But Texas didn't get to play the big for the Big Twelve title because Oklahoma had won the regular season. Um, that's I don't think that's a that's a that's a truly controversial take. Oh wait, Florida was a very 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 good team. But- How was the rest of the Big Twelve? Oh, that was the same year I just talked about. Like that was, that was yeah. Texas Tech, Nebraska, incredible year good. for the Big Twelve. Yeah. Like Mike Leach was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was that was everybody was ranked. <laughs> and Texas has only lost that. Or you know, Texas beat the Oklahoma team I just talked about. And yeah, their only loss, like you said, Chip, was a six point loss to that a really good Texas Tech team with Michael Crabtree making a catch in the at the pylon. Also, if we have a playoff in 08, I'm not sure that 08 USC doesn't win it all either. 
Yeah, like, you no, can make a pretty good argument to me that, that 08 USC was the third best team in the country. 2008 was an f- awesome season. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I, I guess I I skipped the order there. Where are we at right now? Who still got some? Who still got somebody that that's highly ranked that has not been mentioned? Because I believe I'm all right, all the way through. Yeah, I think I'm to all the all of my top ten have been mentioned at this point. Can I fire off another Oklahoma? Yes. Yeah. Aren't we going to get right. Florida State any love? We are. <laughs> I've got so uh, 1971 Oklahoma lost the famous game of the century to Nebraska and Johnny Rogers. Like that was your national championship game for that year. It just happened in the regular season. Um, that's my. There's a couple Florida State ones, Danny. Which which Florida I had State 87. Ones I had 87 yeah. with Sammy Smith. Dion was on the team holding down the defense. They went for two against Miami. That was one of Coach Bowden's first like riskier moves that he made. Came up short. They lost by one. Um, we're clean the rest of the schedule. Pretty dominant. That was the team I had pegged. And that was one. Remember I said, you know, how many more would he won? I think it was 86, 87. I said one of those two, you would have given him a national championship if there was a playoff. So that was the that was the Florida State team I went with. Yeah, 87 high on the list for me for sure. I, probably the top one that you can really argue is the best team in the country. That They beat the hell out of a pretty good Auburn team in Jordan-Hare. Um, what about 97 Florida State? Yeah, <laughs> I had them on there too. Yeah. like, Do you think Nebraska or Michigan beat that team if, if they play in a playoff? Because I don't. Mm-mm. But maybe. They've been close. Uh, another team I'll show some love here too that didn't make the final top 10, but Look at consideration. Uh, 1995 Ohio State huh. was a team that started 11 and 0, played a really difficult schedule, opened the year with a win over a ranked BC. It beat a ranked Washington. It beat Notre Dame by 20. It beat Penn State on the road. It beat Wisconsin on the road. It took down a ranked Iowa team by 21. And then at the end of the year, 11 and 0, it went to Ann Arbor against a Michigan team that was ranked in the top 20, but wasn't a great Michigan team. And lost 31 to 23, knocked him out of the BCS picture. Then they went to the Citrus Bowl and kind of did the old. They didn't want to be there anyway. Lost to some crappy Tennessee team 20 to 14. And yes, I'm only calling them crappy because our producer loves Tennessee. So the rest of you Tennessee fans, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Tennessee, uh, 98 FSU on this list, by the way, is a pretty good example of if you're. Heisman Trophy winning quarterback doesn't get hurt with you know two games left in the season. That's that's a pretty clear title. Like they Marcus Outson played Tennessee pretty hard for a while in that game, and you know you had the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. So um, ninety five Ohio State's interesting, Tom. I, I I did not look into that one. I, I, it wasn't the most like. That was pretty much just an Eddie George offense. And that it was either hand the ball off to Eddie George or just throw the ball to Terry Glenn and get the hell out of the way. Um, 92 FSU, by the way, I think is, is another really, really good argument here. So they beat six ranked teams. They beat the hell out of Florida. They beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. They lost to Miami on wide right, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking last second loss to an eventual you know, national championship caliber team. Marvin Jones, obviously, a, a, a ton of stars on offense, future NFL talent, a ton of ranked wins, a lot of dominant ranked wins, including over you know a, a number six Florida team. Like to me, that one obviously stands out quite a bit. It is weird, by the way, that like Miami and Florida State have a lot of teams I consider putting on the list 
Florida does not. Correct. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any Florida teams on your list? Because I don't think they have any close, like near misses. Maybe 2009 o- is the o- one nine. you could argue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. O- 09 didn't like, make a number for me. Yeah, yeah. but it's in that, uh, you know, worth mentioning for sure. That's kind of weird. I, Maybe I they weren't as good 01. in the 80s. I looked at 01 Florida, but didn't pull the trigger on it. The 09 Florida team. Oh, we were, if we're going to uh, trash the SEC of 2004, I, I thought the 09 SEC was good. And that, like, being able yeah. to to make it to the SEC championship game, uh, obviously the, they go on to lose to Alabama in that game. They were the defending champs. They were ranked number one all year. Tim Tebow's senior year roster was loaded. The 09 Florida team is the one that I thought uh, might deserve some kind of consideration. How about 06 Ohio State? If you're going to mention 1995. Yeah. 06 Ohio State. Troy Smith. Mm-hmm. Now the national championship game, of course, you know, finishes uh, not working out well for them as I, I believe they take that loss to Florida, mm-hmm. but uh, Troy Smith Heisman trophy winner. They beat a number two Texas team in the non-con uh, Iowa top 15 Penn state ranked Michigan. Number two, that massive one versus two game at the end of the season. It's a thriller. They win it 42 to 39, but then Florida gets smoked. Remember Ted Ken Jr. <laughs> took back the opening kickoff and was like, Ooh, yeah. Ohio State might can pull this off. And then it was all Florida. Yeah, yeah, but that was another one of those years too, where like the Big Ten really wasn't that great that year. Like they f- played Michigan they and Michigan. Teams, but yeah, Michigan was number two. But other than Michigan, the Big Ten that year was pretty average. And that was back in the everybody so slow in that conference kind of era. So the one that really like that. Okay, so there's a couple teams that I will entertain as being like among the greatest of all time not to win a title, even though they got smoked in a title game. You know, I think you can make an argument because of Bama's dominance in, in 18, obviously, and they had a ton of coaching staff issues come title game wise. And they also crushed a good Oklahoma team there in the Orange Bowl. The other one, obviously, Miami in 86, when they outgained Penn State by 3x, you know, 450, 150, but had six turnovers. Ohio State had 82 yards of offense mm-hmm. in that game against Florida. 82. Like, that wasn't fluky. They just got their ass beat by a team that was, like, bigger, stronger, faster, it seemed. Well, maybe not bigger. Ohio State had some size, but they, were, they looked real slow in the Fiesta Bowl that night. No, they like, got to worse. me, I can't. That wasn't like super turnover fueled, you know. Um, I don't know, who, that's you know who was, you know, who was the uh, leading tackler for Ohio State that night? Uh, Laurinaitis, current Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman. Oh, really? Cool. Sick. Huh. <laughs> um, 19- there were a lot of tackles to be made. <laughs> Nineteen eighty, Pitt had. Uh, yep. Yeah. Had- Dan Marino, Hugh Green, multiple future Hall of Famers. They went 11-1. and one. And like the UConn Huskies, were named New York Times National Champs. So you know, <laughs> you've Much got different reasons. <laughs> How many teams in 1980 can you make a reasonable argument were better than the Georgia team that won it all? I think you can argue four. Nebraska? Yeah. And then is Miami? Bama? Bama <laughs> potentially and Florida right. State. Let's let's go to the SRS. Let's see. In let's 1980, see the number one team was Nebraska. Number two was Pitt. Number three was Alabama. Number four was Florida. Number five, Oklahoma. Oh, USC wow. six, Michigan seven, Penn State eight, and then coming in at number nine, the Dogs. Wait, where was Florida State in '80? Uh, Florida State was fourth. Oh, I thought you said Florida. Okay, no. So and. A couple of those teams lost to each other, right? Like, I mm-hmm. have 1980 Pitt in my top 20. 
they went and smoked a lot of good teams because of how the bowl, this is a good example of like why the bowl coalition was formed in the early 90s because they tried to match up some of these guys. They never got to play right. Georgia. Georgia got to play like I think Penn State in 80, right? And Alabama that, wasn't on the rotation. So they avoided right. them during that year, even in a not expanded SEC. That's a lucky draw. No conference <laughs> championship game that year, um, obviously. You know, and then the only the only game Pitt lost was to a really good Florida State team. That played one hear, of the toughest schedules of all time in the sport. But you want to hear Dan Marino's numbers for that season? Now, this this is the greatest reflection of how much the sport has changed. In 1980, the great Pitt team, led by the great Dan Marino, one of the best quarterbacks ever, threw for 1,609 yards while completing 51.8% of his passes for 7-2 per attempt with 15 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. Come on. That's crazy. What a leader on the field, though. You they know? also they also took their dropbacks with, with their shoulders square to the line of scrimmage back then. <laughs> in fairness, I mean that, that was the whole like. Remember the that you never did that, right, Danny? Uh the drop straight back. The the drop straight back as opposed to turning. And, and, and I remember and, when I was in high school, like kind of learning the game, like learning mechanics. They fiddled with it a little bit, but thankfully that phased out pretty quickly. Gosh, that was weird. By the yeah. way, Marino's senior season, 17 touchdowns, 23 interceptions. So he was the Josh Allen of his time, where they were drafting that guy based on the traits. <laughs> that arm. Like, let's go. That's that's one of the original arguments for like, hey, we're gonna use the passing game to open up the, the run game. Like at least with his arm, you had to you actually had to respect You some had to of the respect it, yeah. Um, there was uh, this this bookshelf back here that uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see includes a, a book by a friend of the show, Bill Connolly, called The 50 Best College Football Teams of All Time. Of course, after doing uh, about an hour, hour and a half of research, I came upstairs and found it right before taping. But uh, it's a very good book. And one of the things also uh, Bill says that it's best is defined by most interesting, innovative, and influential. So some context applied there. But there was a team in there that I wanted to bring up for discussion, uh, and it is the 1999 Virginia Tech team. Because as the best team never to win a title, you're really, uh, especially compared to these other teams that we've brought up from the last 50 years, you're going to have to make some stretches about you know best team. But the individual impact of Michael Vick and the way that he was able to carry that Hokies team um, I, I thought that it was at least worth a mention here because that Virginia Tech team in 1999 did have to win some slobber knockers, did have to win some games where felt like Vic was like kind of like banged up a little bit and just sort of like literally pulling uh, the Hokies past teams like Syracuse. But yet even in that uh, championship game loss against Florida State, a phenomenal performance from the Hokies quarterback. And uh, I wasn't going to make an argument for top 10, but. They, they were a phenomenal team in an individual season that did not win the national championship and came close. One million percent, one of the most entertaining teams to watch because of Michael Vick. Any others out there? They came, They popped up on my list. I didn't put them in there, but in doing the research, I remember like watching that game closely against Florida State and thinking, man, this dude is scary. And wondering how he was going to do at the NFL. Like, can this translate? And it and sure did for a long time. You- Longer than a lot of people thought. One of the things that like really stood out to me here as well, and we probably should have said this at the opening of the show, how many of the losses that these teams took either happened because it was an extremely memorable play, or maybe we remember the, the play because we understood at the time just how damn good 
some of these teams were, right? Like Johnny Rogers in Nebraska beating the Oklahoma team. Like I wasn't alive for it, but you can go watch it on YouTube and and that punt return. Um, you know, obviously Vince Young scores to to beat USC. Nebraska going for the two point conversion and missing. Like may, maybe that's why we think about some of these standout plays. But a lot of these teams lost a close game to another really good team on just not just like a whole home play, but like a pretty wild play. Um, mm-hmm. I know Connolly will always ride for. Uh, and we 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 made our cutoff like the seventies. Is it forty nine or fifty nine? It's got to be in the book. Uh, that fifty nine old Miss team, which I think did not allow, they allowed yes. five points a game or something like that. I, I, I talked to Bill about this before, and you know the play that beat them in their only loss. It was Billy uh, Cannon's yeah, punt Billy Cannon. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got fifty nine uh, Ole Miss and fifty nine Syracuse in the book. Another team, not not in Bill's book, but I'll give a special shout out to 2012 Oregon. Yeah, uh, Mariota's freshman year, uh, Chip Kelly's fourth. They had started ten and zero, had just gotten to number one in the AP poll, and then lost by three points to a Stanford team that was ranked 14th at the time. Got dropped down to five, and then never was given a chance to get back into the top two, even though they won out, including a. 35 to 17 win over a top 10 Kansas State team in the Fiesta Bowl. That was a really good team that once that was just kind of how it still is. Like once the Pac-12 team loses, all right, cool. <laughs> We're done with you. That game against uh USC was bananas. Final score mm-hmm. 62-51 Oregon and the like the, the you talk about some names. Like you go in and you look and see your your DeAnthony Thomas, you go in there you take a look at uh Kenyon Barner, yeah. Kenyon Barner, yeah. I mean the the USC talent was pretty good too. It was a it was an impressive impressive group. Robert Woods, Matt mm-hmm. Barkley, um good good a uh, good good little college football team right there even for USC as well. They had some interesting like I don't know, there's some periods of time where and 2012 or Oregon fits in this. And I'm not saying they don't belong, but I have a hard time putting a team from that Pac-12 in when that was USC sanctions time, you know? Uh, just like I, I don't really buy into some of the like TCU Baylor mid-decade stuff from the Big 12, and maybe this is me as the recruiting guy, and I'll okay, I'll take more hate on Twitter for it. But like this was Mac Brown letting the program die on the vine, Texas, and Oklahoma when Venable, or not Venable, excuse me, when Stoops was holding on to some assistant coaches that he probably should have been, you know, letting go earlier uh, than he did and we had some teams rise up in that league at that time but I, in my brain I just have a hard time accepting like really like knowing the quality of player they recruit like is that but Oregon makes me rethink that because yeah too like if you look at that 2012 Oregon team because that was year it was Alabama Notre Dame Ohio State went 12-0 and but it was Urban Meyer's first year and they were ineligible for the postseason not that they that team wasn't a great team anyway but like does that Oregon team beat Notre Dame if you put them in like a playoff to get to face Alabama? I think so. I still think they get pasted by Alabama, but I just I thought think, that was a really good team. Would that Oregon team lose to the Georgia team that was four yards short of winning the SEC championship game that year? Because that's the <laughs> yeah, the Georgia, I think so. In the Georgia yeah. brain is if we had beaten Alabama, then we would have gone on to beat Notre Dame in that year. And the Mark Richt tenure looks entirely different. Yeah. Mark Rick had a lot of teams that I think I'm not saying they were like all time great teams, but you can make a pretty good argument that he had a lot of teams that were the second or third best team in the country. I think three times because there's one in like the like the mid 2000s. Is it 05 that qualifies as well? Uh, yeah. He just he had the really bad luck of uh, 
having urbanized, weaponized the spread option or you know, urban weaponized the spread option there right when he got there. And then, you know, Nick coming back from the NFL. Mm. All right. L- should last- we give Tennessee the shout out for Jordan? Because no. this is the reason I texted the group chat that we should cut this off at, uh, at a certain year. Wow. <laughs> Because he he he, want, he mentions that 1939 Tennessee did not allow a touchdown. Yeah. Okay. Well, who are they playing? <laughs> <laughs> 1939 Tennessee. Let's see. Did you did make not, those? Uh, what, did they, they point it out? That, 1938. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. I'm gonna go. They're gonna go. They went 11 and 0. They did not allow a touchdown. But here's who they played. They beat Sewanee, mm-hmm. Clemson. Auburn, Alabama, the Citadel, LSU, Chattanooga, Vandy, Kentucky, Ole Miss. The only ranked team they played was Oklahoma, number four in the Orange Bowl. Beat them seventeen to nothing. Mm. Chat is uh, threatening violence if we don't mention the nineteen ninety three Notre Dame team. What kept the nineteen ninety three Notre Dame team from winning the national championship? You can't lose to, to Boston team. College, yeah. Glenn Foley, exactly. a quarterback, yeah. and be considered a greatest team of all I'm time. So I'm so glad you had an answer. I'm so <laughs> glad that you had an answer right there. There was a there was a young Tom Fernelli devastated that day as BC beat Notre Dame. <laughs> And there was a young Danny Cannell at Burt Reynolds Hall going absolutely nuts <laughs> along with the rest of the team. And we were thrust back in the title picture. Yeah. That was epic. Beat number – that's right. We've talked about that before. Yeah, they beat number three Michigan early in the season, and they beat number then number one Florida State, but then turned around, lost Boston College 41-39. to 39. BC was ranked, but it's still, you know – yeah, <laughs> can't lose to DC and then call yourself the greatest. All right, uh, we will be back on Thursday with another edition of the Mailbag. If you want to add a question to a future Mailbag episode, you can do so by leaving us a five star review, and then in that review, go ahead and put your question for the Mailbag. We also, again, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we have a bracket challenge up and running. We want you to compete against us. There will be prizes, and you can win them. You go to cbssports.com, look for the Cover 3 Bracket Challenge. Again, that is a Cover 3 Bracket Challenge, cbssports.com. We've got a link that'll take you right there on our Twitter feed, twitter.com slash cover 3 podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.